are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But for today's show, we got Locked on MLB Prospects host Arm Layton on the podcast today to discuss the top five prospects in the D-backs organization, breaking them down, projections, comparisons. We're doing it all. We're Arm Layton today. But thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, doing all that jazz. So please continue to do what you do. But now let's jump right into the podcast for Arm Layton of Locked On and will be prospects. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Locked On listeners, we got a special crossover today. It's a man who pulls double duty at the Locked On Network. Locked On Marlins host and Locked On MLB Prospects host Arm Layton is joining Locked On Diamondbacks today. So let's bring him on the show. Arm Layton, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to talk some uh, D-backs prospects and uh, a little bit more. But uh, we're starting to heat up on the hot stove, so I appreciate you having me on. (laughs) Yeah, the hot stove is interesting. Uh, I didn't, We didn't even talk about this before we hopped on, but let me throw out a random question to you real quick because I saw this circulating around. How do you feel about players being paid based off fan graphs war stats? I just saw that pop up too, dude. <laughs> I just saw that pop up. I don't even know how to feel about that. Yeah. Like, I, I, There's one side of it where it's like arbitration is such a weird concept because mm-hmm. it's like, okay – this guy still plays for me, but as a team, I'm going to say why he's not worth what he wants. I, I always think that's such a weird concept, and then it's settled on, and then you go from there. Uh, so I think it's an interesting topic, but I think we got to do a little bit better than just war, uh, being that there's multiple types of war to determine how much a guy should make. Yeah, that yeah. I'm, this podcast is basically the anti-war podcast, so I was not a big fan of it when it came out. Uh, it's just one of those stats. Like, of course, if you're going off fan graphs, at least that's consistent. But it's a stat where across what website you look at, they have a different formula for calculating war. So it's exactly. like, how can, yeah. So how can we use a stat that literally different websites measure it differently? So just because of that, and there's so many variables with upside, and who knows, maybe this player was injured during the season or something like that. He had oblique strain, so that's why his numbers went down. Like, they're just so many different variables i think basing paying dudes based off four is is not very fair to the players i think 
I agree 100 percent because also it that it's an individual case by case thing, like you said, and that's why they do it case by case, literally uh, in arbitration. So I don't know if that's the right idea, but uh, it it kind of shows where where the game's headed with with a heavy emphasis on on those types of things. But yeah, you've got too much difference and discrepancy across war, and I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, so we're probably going to be talking about the hot stove and the CBA and all those things a lot on this podcast. I'm sure yeah. your podcast, all the podcasts across the Lockdown MOB Network. But today, Arm Land, this is basically going to be the Arm Land podcast because, <laughs> of course, we know you pull double duty. You kill it on Lockdown Marlins. But today, we need you to wear your other hat. Lockdown MOB Prospects host Arm Layton is here with us today. We're going to break down the top five prospects, maybe do a little way too early mock draft for the top two guys that the D-backs could land, hand out a few awards. Let's talk about MVP Cy Young. So we got a whole bunch to talk about with Arm Lee, and, and I want to start here. I don't know. What do you? What would you rather do? Would you rather start from the top with the number one D-backs prospect, or do you think it's a little little cooler to start from the bottom with number five? Uh, you tell me, man, because I, I get so excited about, about Corbin Carroll that we might want to save him for last because I might talk for five, ten minutes on him alone. Okay, we could save him from last because Corbin Carroll – yeah, I like Corbin Carroll a lot. I was – Upset to see him go down just like a Jordan oh Lawler. Gosh. Like the D-backs got no freaking breaks this year, man. Like oh. if the major league team wasn't bad enough, is our minor league teams are being crushed as well too. Thankfully, Alec Thomas was like a, a huge bright spot. But oh let's start gosh. from the bottom. We're working off basically MLB.com's prospect rankings. And number five, according to MLB.com, is Ryan Nelson. And I'm going to be honest with you, Armley, and with a lot of these guys – I don't know much about them. So I'm just going off these scouting reports that MLB.com has written up. He showed some athleticism at Oregon, spent a couple years there. Uh, he won pitcher of the year for the D-backs this season in the minor leagues. He was averaging 14.4 strikeouts per nine in Division I NCAA. Uh, only signed him for a million dollars uh, or signed him for a million dollars below his slot value. So the D-backs got a pretty good steal when they took Ryan Nelson in the draft. But what can you tell me about him? Yeah, I mean, they've done a really good job developing him and, and he's come, you know, a long way and really developing his stuff. And you know, it's funny because I always go on these podcasts and people are like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know that much about these guys. And I'm like, you shouldn't. It's so much. And I spend hours and hours just watching this guy throw, uh, especially after you asked me to, to come on the pod. I was like, OK, I'm going to make sure I do some digging again. Uh, because I've been doing the top tens for every system uh, in Major League Baseball right now for JustBaseball.com, my website, um, mm. and I'm getting to the D-back system soon. Uh, and I'd been doing the digging on Ryan Nelson, and I was floored at how much his secondary stuff has improved. You know, the mm. fastball has always been pretty solid, but the breaking ball, he he went to the curveball a lot this year, and it was really darn good. He got a lot of swings and misses on it, and he also mixed in the slider slider was really good and using those two pitches off of each other was fantastic then he mixed in a changeup that he threw about 10 percent of the time as well so hmm. you have four pitches from this guy now that he commands well that he mixes up pretty well and the fastball has some life too i really like what we see here the pitch mix is strong his command really improved and i think we saw that i mean he only walked about three batters per nine which was a big improvement from the last time we saw him almost 13 strikeouts per nine. This guy's putting it together, and I think he projects to be a, a really solid middle-of-the-rotation arm with the potential to be a, a number two type of starter. 
Yeah, his numbers were really good in 2021. Played a little high A, a little double A, 317 ERA, 163 strikeouts, and 116 innings pitch. I know you mentioned he has, it seems like, a 3-4 pitch arsenal, but what would you say is his plus pitch? What is his go-to strikeout pitch when he needs one in a high leverage moment? I think that's a great question. And, and it seems like that curveball is the one that mm. he really relies on. I mean, he, he got guys to swing and miss on that pitch a ton. And it, it's right around the 78 mile an hour range. He's got a slider, which he'll go to in certain spots, which is more 85 range, 84 miles per hour. But that curveball is a wipeout pitch. And when he's commanding it well, uh, that's definitely his go to like, strike him out type of offering and and that was a big reason why he had so much success this year arm and i will continue to break down the top five prospects in the d-backs organization but this episode is brought to you by bet online we're back and better than ever a new web interface for the start of the basketball season more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from baseball, basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. Yeah, I'm excited for him, of course. With a lot of these guys, you just never know with prospects if they're going to turn out good or not. Like, it's all it's all a crapshoot at the end of the day. But Ryan Nelson seems to have some promise. I'm trying to see. I believe he is – I don't even know how old he is. I got this thing. 23 years old. Going to be 24 by the start of the season. But I think he's on track to debut next year by the middle of the season, depending on how the D-backs want to play it. Um, and you know, that'll be a nice little refreshing little boost as well. And have some, another young arm into the rotation, uh, with, with a lively fastball too. Uh, so I expect him to be up at some point next year. Yeah, he should be. If he's going to be 24 years old, that's a little exactly. bit older for a prospect, but coming off college, that makes sense. Six three, one eighty four, 184. So a bigger type of guy yeah. too, right-handed pitcher. So maybe he can develop some more power in that fastball and be a power pitcher for the D backs, because that is one area they lack in their staff after a gallon. I mean, you got Bumgarner throwing like 89 with a Merrill <laughs> Kelly too. Like they're just not a lot of power arms in this rotation. Tyler Gilbert too. He's basically a singer ball pitcher. Like the D backs are all just a bunch of singer ball pitchers, pretty much all trying induce ground balls but let's move on to number four the prospect rankings and this is blake walston who another pitcher for the d-backs gatorade north carolina high school player of the year uh, i believe he was taken out of high school uh, as well by the d-backs signed for around almost 2.5 million dollars so this is someone that was pretty young coming into the system of course didn't play last year but 2021 he played mostly in high a this season 376 era 117 strikeouts and 95 innings pitch a 233 average against what's your take on a blake walston i'm a big blake walston fan i mm. really think he boosted his stock this year but he was a guy going into the year i was really excited about uh we had him on number i put him at number 90 on our top 100 prospect list mm. at just baseball.com so he actually cracked the top 100 and, and like we updated it after the Arizona Fall League. So in the next couple of weeks, I think he's going to move up a little bit more. 
I mean, he showed a lot of polish because you mentioned he, he's a different profile guy, right? He's a high schooler, missed the 2020 season because of it being canceled. So that was a big year of development for him. He's only 20 years old uh, and really won't be 21. I don't even think by the start of the season. So he's still very young, 6'5", 175 pounds. I think he's going to develop a bit more physically. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, and I think he's going to gain some more, you know, physicality and velo on the fastball because right now he sits more in the 91 to 93 mm-hmm. range. I think by the time we see him uh, come next year, I think he's going to be more in the 92, 94 range, which will will really help him take that stuff to the next level. But the curveball is really strong. He's so tall that he releases that curveball from a high point, and it's one of those downer breaking balls. He also has shown a pretty good feel for a changeup for a young pitcher that I think is going to be a big, uh, you know, X factor for him as well. If he can see a little bit of an uptick in that velo, he's going to be a problem. Uh, and I think he's got a lot going for him. The curveball has a chance to be a plus-plus pitch. And I think the numbers kind of speak for themselves last year. Overall, I mean, not type dominating uh, the mm-hmm. way that a typical top 100 guy was. But remember, he was 19 uh, going into the season and competed in high A as one of the younger pitchers against his competition. And was pretty darn good. I'm very excited about Walson. I think the duo of those two arms uh, should have D-backs fans feeling pretty good. Yeah, 91 mile an hour fastball. Sounds like he could fit right in the rotation right now. (laughs) But maybe that velo comes naturally as he starts to bulk. Because 6'5", 175, like arm. I'm like 5'11", 190. Yeah, I'm (laughs) He's going to fill out. He's going to fill out. I really think he will. And Exactly. And if that fastball goes up a little bit more, he's got so much reach. That's one of those pitches that gets in on you kind of quick, similar to a Trevor Rogers type with the Marlins, uh, where it's the perceived velocity that's a little bit higher even than he's throwing, which I already think he's he's reaping the benefits from right now. So would you say his curveball is probably his go-to strikeout pitch then? Absolutely. That pitch is nasty. <laughs> Absolutely mm-hmm. nasty. Uh, he needs a third pitch that he's a little bit more comfortable with, but that curveball right now, he's just been riding uh, and dominating younger hitters with. So do you feel like he's more of a 2023 candidate or do you think D-backs probably below 500 once again next season? Is he a potential September call up? Do they even do that anymore? I'm not even sure. Depending on how good, you know, how, how much he, he progresses through the minors next year. I mean, he did end up making 11 starts in high A. So they could, the, the D-backs could end up saying, hey, I think we want to start him in double A. If they do that, then there's a chance for a September call up. I would assume that they don't want to rush it. And 2023 is probably a more likely scenario. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked with the way this kid has already shown he's a bit more developed and polished than your typical high school tall, lanky lefty. Yeah, it's not like the D-backs are loaded with talent in their bullpen and rotation right now. Like, (laughs) they could use some more talent in that bullpen. They're right now saying they're going to be targeting bullpen arms in free agency. So if they could stop going after the Chris Davinskys and the Joaquin Sorias and the Hector Rondones, then maybe they have a chance of actually being competitive next year. But that's a topic for another day, Arms. So let's move on to number three. This is one of my favorite prospects in the organization, as he should be if he's number three on this list. That is Alec Thomas, who was basically the MVP of the D-backs in the minor league system this year. He was phenomenal this season in 2021. He had a 394 OBP, a 559 slugging. He played in double A and triple A, 313 average, 18 home runs, 13 stolen bases. He seems to just be able to fill up the stat sheet. Uh, just overall, he even made uh, the serious XM all-star futures game in Denver uh, this season as well. So he's basically has a pretty accomplished minor league career. What can you tell me about Alec Thomas? 
Arm and I will continue breaking down the top five prospects in the D-backs organization, but first... All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. Uh, this kid is special. I'm I'm a huge fan of Alec Thomas. I, I mean, when we talk about a prospect who looks like a veteran already, it, that's exactly what he is. I mean, he is so polished, so advanced at the plate. You mentioned you know, the high on base percentage. He walks a ton. He doesn't strike out. If you get him on a pitch, you get him on a breaking ball in the dirt. He will make an adjustment in that at bat and he'll take that next pitch. You know, he, he will make adjustments between pitches. He seems like the type of player that played four years of college, but he was a high school guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got amazing bat to ball skills. I think he showed a much more uh, improved feel for power hitting 18 home runs this year. You mentioned the futures game with the high walk rate, low strikeout rate. And now power showing up too. He's a good defender. He's an absolute gamer. Uh, does all the little things. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. It's the type of guy that's going to go head first, take the extra bag, do all the little things. I really think Alec Thomas is going to be one of those building blocks for this franchise. I think he's big league ready, start of next year. Uh, if they want him to be up there, he's ready. And uh, I think he's going to be one of the types of prospects that hits the ground running, not as many of the growing pains as you see with some of these other guys because of how good of an approach he has at the plate. And he's someone that's been around the game. His father works in the front office of the White Sox. So he's someone that's been around baseball his whole life. Three sports star in high school as well. So I always love that athletic profile. But do you have any comps for Alec Thomas on the major league level? Of course, every, you know, every fan wants their prospect to be the next Barry Bonds, Hall of Famer, Mike Trout. But realistically, do you think this guy has all-star in in his future, Hall of Famer, or just like everyday solid outfielder for the D-backs? I think he's got all-star in him. You know, I, I try to think of a comp you know, off the top, and it's it, there's not that many guys in the game today that are like him, which is really, I think, a huge boost for him because there's so much power at the expense of strikeouts, as we know, in today's game. Mm-hmm. And with Thomas, you have a guy that just drives the ball to all fields, gap to gap. He's still going to hit his homers uh, and walks a ton, plays good defense. I, I, I'm trying to even think off the top, like, there's not that many guys like that, and I think that's a really exciting and, and big boost to have. I think he's going to be the type of guy that makes several all-star games and, and is a really solid franchise piece for you uh, for the next several, several years. And what I like about him, he seems to have different dynamic elements to his game that the D-backs don't currently have because I don't know if you know this, Arm, but the D-backs have no power on this roster. After the Eduardo Escobar trade, they had nobody at the end of the season with at least 15 home runs. In today's day and age in baseball, not at least – like teams have seven dudes who have 20 yeah. home runs. D-backs had literally no one with 15. So a guy that could do that, plus you add the speed, maybe get you double-digit steals, even though D-backs are a team that hates to send people. Uh, they, he can add – some different elements to the lineup that the D-backs don't already have. So I love an Alec Thomas, but the next guy we're going to talk about, I think this might be your favorite, and that is Corbin Carroll, who sadly, he was off to a hot start in high A in only seven games, a 435 average, a 552 OPP, a 913 slugging. Like he was on fire. He came into the season as the D-backs top prospect, and he was totally living up to uh, his expectation level before the injury but unfortunately like the entire d-back season 
his season was cut short. It didn't go the way he wanted to or the fans wanted to. But, Arm, what can you tell me about a Corbin Carroll? Yeah, so I think you're going to be like, didn't you just say this about Al Thomas? Corbin Carroll has so many of the same qualities that I love about Thomas, except he's even more of a freak athlete. Mm. He's one of the fastest runners in the minor leagues and has, I think, more power than people think. He is another guy that just makes so many good in-at-bat adjustments. You can see the types of players when the D-backs target high school bats, what they're looking for. They put a lot of emphasis on what goes on between the ears, and I think that's really important. These are two guys that approach the game uh, like they're 25 years old, not like they're just turning 20 or 21. Uh, they have tools, but they get the most out of those tools with effort and and with a smart approach to the game. You mentioned Thomas being uh, you know, a guy that's been around baseball forever because of his dad being in the front office. Corbin Carroll's got that baseball uh, just persona in him too. Uh, he is probably one of the more dynamic players in the minor leagues. I think that he's the type of dude that is going to lead the league in triples, uh, which is mm. crazy. I think the stadium in Arizona is built for triples. When David Peralta is leading the league in triples, I'm imagining Corbin Carroll just hitting for like 18 or 20 because he goes gap to gap, no problem. He's so tough to beat. He spoils any tough pitch you make. And he's the type of guy, too, two strikes. He'll smack that thing in the ground and he'll beat it out at first. But the difference is, is he's not just a slap hitter. He's got power. Uh, and maybe not quite as much as Thomas, but I think he can hit 15 home runs or so. And when you're doing that on top of the fact that you have a top of the line speed, I'm talking like elite, elite speed and plus defense in center field, those two guys, one, two, Carroll, one, Thomas, two in your order. That's one of the more exciting one, two punches potentially in baseball. I, I really mean that. I think that those two guys could be trouble and a really good start to a lineup, uh, for the D-backs, it has to get people excited. And I'm okay with Carroll not being a 25, 30 home run guy because I don't think everyone needs to do that. But if he can be a high contact guy, like you said, because I think the D-backs do have a certain philosophy. They When they target these guys in the first round, I think they want guys who can get a high contact high contact rate, not strike out a line, just get on base. I think that's why they targeted a Paven Smith in the first round a few years ago, even though that hasn't exactly worked out. So if a Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas can show me more of that gap power with that plus speed, because uh, Paven Smith, even though I, I like him, he just doesn't have enough elements to his game to make up for the lack of power. He doesn't really have that speed. He's not a high OBP kind of guy. So if these two guys can come in and be like a 370 OBP and still give me 25 stolen bases, even if it's only 15 steals, if this is like a 15 home run, 25 steal kind of guy, 290 average, getting on base a ton, I'm okay with that, even though they may not have the high upside in the power department because I, I think you can still win a lot of baseball games without having seven dudes smash 30 home runs. As long as they, these dudes aren't striking out, I think that would be perfect for this D-backs team. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing. So thank you. Go make Locked on Bets your second listen of the day with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Come back tomorrow for part two with Arm Layton of Locked On MLB Prospects to talk about Jordan Lawler, hand out some awards for the minor league system, and talk about the Cy Young Award too. Who should take home these Cy Young Awards in the American League and National League? If you want to find out, come back tomorrow on the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!